Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Please enjoy our Bible 101 series as we explore Genesis through Revelation. Also, listen to our roundtable discussions as myself, Greg Ross, and Eric Feeman talk about the major theological discussions of the Bible. Also, enjoy some of our interviews and apostolic apologetic series. We thank you so much for listening. Please let us know what you think by emailing BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That's B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E-29 at gmail.com. And also leave a comment to let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to Bible 101. Today we're going to do another lesson in our course of apostolic apologetics. And I'm going to take my reading from the book of Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 9. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And oftentimes, people that are uh, firm believers that all you need to do to be saved is just simply confess that you believe in Jesus and accept Him as your personal Savior, they will point to this verse of Scripture. Now, let me first point out the obvious here, that it does not say anything about accepting the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior in this Scripture. It just says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. Okay, the first thing I want to say here is that in order to understand any portion of Scripture, you've got to read it in context. Once again, I've said it many times uh, throughout my teaching, and I will say it again, that a text out of context is a pretext. You must first read it in context. How do you get the context? Back up to verse number 1, Romans 10 and verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The context of Romans chapter 10 is Israel. Okay, and then it says this, verse 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So, he starts it off by saying, the problem that Israel has is they're trying to make themselves righteous because they're trying to obey the law continually. But it's never going to make them righteous because they're ignorant of God's righteousness. And then he goes on to say how they have not submitted themselves. Verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Okay, so he's saying that the reason why they'll never be righteous in the sight of God is because they have not submitted themselves to Jesus Christ. Then verse 5, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But, verse 6, the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall ascend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, uh, that is the word of faith which we 
preach. So he says that the word of faith is what we preach. Then he goes on to describe what that word of faith is. That if thou shalt, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For, but he, that does not stop there. Okay, just as, like I said, you got to read it all in context. He doesn't stop with verse 9. He keeps going. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So again, it's not enough just to simply believe it in your heart. You've got to confess it with your mouth. Then he says this, verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So he's saying basically there's no difference between Jew and Gentile, Jew and Greek uh, when it comes to salvation. They've all got to come in the same way. They've all got to come through Jesus Christ. All right, now verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if this verse sounds familiar, flip over to Acts chapter number 2, and you'll see that Peter also referred to this. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, just one book. Now, Peter, when he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, one of the things he says uh, in, in this portion of Scripture is uh, verse 21, Acts 2 and 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he didn't stop there. He went on to keep preaching to them. And then in verse 38, when they asked him, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, if all there was to it was simply calling on the name of the Lord, why didn't Peter say, I've already told you how to do it. Just call on the name of Jesus. But he told them how to call on the name of the Lord. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, ah, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So calling on the name of the Lord is more than just saying, Jesus, I accept you. Remember what Jesus said. Let's flip back to the book of Matthew. Let's go to the book of Matthew, uh, and let's, let's look at a few things here. Uh, because the Bible says in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, this is Jesus speaking, if you've got a red letter edition of the Bible, it's in red letter, and it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? You think these were believers? Absolutely, they believed in the name of Jesus. They So much so, they prophesied in his name. And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So Jesus said clearly, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. That means they're confessing him as their Lord. They're saying, Lord, Lord, kurios, kurios in the Greek. In other words, master of every area of my life. Lord, Lord. He says, but not everybody that calls me Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He says, only the one that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is he saying here? He's saying, they don't just say it, they live it. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. They don't just say I'm the Lord of every area of their life, but they actually live in such a manner that proves I'm the Lord of every area of my life. It goes back to a previous lesson in Bible 101 series when I talked about the law and I talked about taking the Lord's name in vain is more than just 
just invoking his name uh, in an irrational manner or in an, in an ungodly manner uh, and treating it flippantly. It's also bearing his name in vain. Living a lifestyle to the world that tells them uh, that you're one thing when you claim to be something else. You claim to be a Christian and yet you go out there and you live like everybody else. You do what everybody else does. Uh, that That is taking his name in vain. You're bearing his name in vain. Well, it's the same thing here. Jesus said, not every man that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. They prove that I'm the Lord of their life by the way that they live. Okay, with that in mind, let's go back to Romans chapter 10, and, and then let's look at this, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now stop. If all you've got to do is call on the name of the Lord, why do you need a preacher? Why do you need a preacher? Because clearly, uh, you, you, could, you could go and just read Scripture, right? What would be wrong with that? But Paul said very clearly here, you can't just call upon him. You've got to have somebody to preach to you. And he says, verse 15, and you can't just have any preacher, by the way. You can't just have Uncle Joe that claims to be a preacher or, or Aunt Sally that claims to be a minister. You've got to have a certain type of preacher. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent. Sent by who? Sent by God. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. For But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now remember, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, it says, For without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We're told in Romans 10 and 17 that faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He's already established the fact that's by a preacher. So you've got to have a preacher preach to you in order to get faith. And you cannot hear the gospel without a preacher. You can't have faith without a preacher. And you've got to have a God called preacher to preach to you. Okay. And then once you hear the word of God, you've got to obey it because the next verse, verse 18, But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Then back up to verse 16, he says, They have not all obeyed the gospel. So it's not just enough to hear it. You've got to obey it. Okay, verse 19, But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found of them that sought me not, I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me, but to Israel. So Israel still the context. The whole chapter of Romans 10 is about Israel. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gang-saying people. Okay, so Romans, we've already established fact, Romans 10 is about the Jews. It's all about the Jews. What is the Jews' primary stumbling block? I want you to think about this for just a minute. What is the stumbling block um, of the Jews? What is their stumbling block? Their stumbling block is Jesus Christ.
They don't want to accept Jesus as the Messiah, as their Lord. So that's their primary stumbling block. That's why Paul said, if you confess that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, what does he mean by that? Uh, you know, if you really seek after God and if you make him Lord of your life, you're going to be saved. You've got to confess him as your Lord. But I've already mentioned the fact that's not just simply saying, Lord, Lord, but that's, that's allowing him to be Lord over your life, obeying the gospel. You allow him to be Lord over your life when you obey the gospel and you finally submit to his will and to your perp into his purpose. That's the reason why when in Acts chapter 2, Peter said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then in Acts 2.38, he told them how to call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, when you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, you invoke his name. You call upon his name. And also that, that talks about you're submitting to him. Lord, I'm tired of living my own way. Lord, I've tried this by myself. I can't do it. Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. Come into my life. And when you really pray that and you accept the fact, you accept God's plan of salvation, he will fill you with his spirit. And when you're filled with the spirit of God, it'll happen just like it happened in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. They spoke with tongues. That is not the Holy Ghost. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. The initial sign of the Holy Ghost and filling is speaking in other tongues. Jesus said in, in John chapter 7 and verse number uh, 37, uh, But he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. It starts on the inside as that, that, that belief. But when you confess the Lord and you begin to praise him and worship him and submit your life to him, something begins to happen and bubble up on the inside of you and it flows out of your belly. It comes out of your belly like rivers of living water that spring up, Jesus said in John chapter 4, unto everlasting life. Okay, so Romans chapter 10 is about the Jews. Now flip back. I want to show you something. Let's go back to Romans chapter number 1 and find out. Now, if you're going to understand uh, the scripture, you need to first write out, uh, find out um, who wrote it, when was it written? To whom was it written? You need to find those three things out if you're going to interpret Scripture correctly. And look at this. Uh, Paul was the author. And he's writing. It, the book of Romans is called Romans. But watch this. Chapter 1. Uh, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, um, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations, uh, for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Okay, notice who he's writing here. He said, uh, uh, unto whom you are the called according to Jesus Christ. He's not writing writing to rank sinners. He's writing to people that are called according to the grace of Jesus Christ. So watch this. Verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. He's not telling sinners how to be saved in Romans chapter 10. He's writing to saints. He's writing to people that have already been saved or been delivered, uh, that have been set free from the world. He's writing to a church. He's writing to Christians. Okay, so once again, 
If you're wanting to find out how to be saved, don't go and pick up letters that that, uh, the apostles write to the church. Go to the book of Acts where Peter and where the other apostles are preaching to sinners and telling them how to be saved. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. Again, he's preaching to to, uh, to to Jews that were devout men out of every nation under heaven, but they were men that had crucified Jesus. They were lost. And he was. And when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So again, Romans chapter 1, you read there, it says uh, he wrote. he's writing to the saints that be in Rome. In 1 Corinthians, uh, you can read uh, chapter 1 and verse number 2, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Uh, You can read in uh, the book of, you'll find the same thing uh, in the other epistles as well. In the book of Galatians, uh, you'll see the same thing there, that he's writing to the church uh, there, unto the churches of Galatia. That's uh, Galatians chapter number 1 and verse number 2. And I don't have this in note form. I'm just, I'm going through and actually just just flipping through the scriptures myself while I'm telling you this. and then here's another one, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus. Let's go over to Philippians and find out what else is there. Okay, Philippians. Uh, it says this here, Paul in Timotheus chapter 1 verse 1 of Philippians, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So once again, to saints. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why am I uh, going through all of this? It's because I have had, uh, I've taught Bible studies in a lot of them. And uh, I remember specifically, there was a group Bible study that I taught one time where everything I taught was questioned. I had to back up everything with scripture, showing chapter and verse. Every single thing I brought up, I had to prove it with chapter and verse, and they would question everything I said. And so uh, one man asked me, he said, well, if what you're saying is true, why do you find it over and over and over in the New Testament, believe on the Lord Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus, believe on the Lord Jesus. I looked at him and I said, because that is foundational. You have to believe on Jesus. Duh. If you don't believe that he's Lord and Christ... Uh, You're not going to care anything about the Holy Ghost. You're not going to care anything about baptism in Jesus' name. That is foundational. That's the first step. All I'm saying is there's more to it than just believing. And you're going through and you're picking out Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, uh, but you're picking them out of the epistles. I'm telling you, go back to what's foundation. Go back to the book of Acts where they're actually preaching to sinners. Okay, hopefully I've established that point. Now, there's one more verse of scripture I want to talk about in this context. Let's go over to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 16. I'm, I'm going to wrap um, this, uh, this lesson up here quickly. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 16. And in context, Paul and Silas are in prison. They've been beaten for the cause of Christ. Uh, they begin to sing and, and give praises to God. And as they do, the, the, the prison's shaken. The, the shackles fall off. The prison doors are open. The jailer comes in. He's about to kill himself uh, because he sees and he thinks that everybody uh, has, has, uh, has fled out of the prison. And it says this, verse 27 of Acts 16, And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed 
killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Now this is a verse oftentimes used by people that say all you got to do is believe. Verse 28, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and sprang in, and came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Alright, stop. Now, if that's all there was to this verse of Scripture, that might be a pretty convincing argument. Except for one major flaw here. Uh, it says, if you just believe, he's talking to the jailer. Now, again, he's talking to a Gentile. This is not a Jew that's familiar with Old Testament Scriptures. This is not somebody that's familiar with Jesus Christ. Okay, This is a total rank sinner. We're talking about a Gentile, Philippian jailer, total rank sinner. And Paul says, now the guy's about to kill himself. Paul doesn't have time to explain everything to him here in this present moment. He just simply gives him a very brief definition of what he needs to do to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But then he says, and thy house. Now stop. If we stopped with this verse of Scripture and we took this literally and said, all you've got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus, then we'd have to accept the fact that not only are you going to be saved, your entire household will be saved, whether or not they believe on Jesus or not. Because he said, you and your house. But he doesn't stop there. That's, again, you've got to get the context. You can't just stop with one verse of Scripture. Keep reading. And it says, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. Ah! So they didn't stop with just saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They kept telling him the word of the Lord. Verse 33, And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. So stop. They didn't just say, believe on the Lord Jesus. He said, all right, I believe on the Lord Jesus. All right, I get up. I'm saved. No, they went back and they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and they baptized them. You say, well, does it say they spoke in tongues? Well, to use the same argument, doesn't say they received the Holy Spirit either. So uh, that's not a convincing argument to me, but it is implied. Kind of like in Acts 2, it says they were added unto the church, which means they were added unto those that had spoken in tongues, that had received the Spirit. It's the same thing here. It doesn't say specifically they spoke with tongues, neither does it say they received the Holy Spirit, but it is implied here, okay? Because they believed in God with all his house. And and that, you know what? Today, uh, the term believing in God is, is just kind of a... Uh, a statement that is it doesn't mean what it meant in the Bible days. I see people all the time on the street. I've met people totally drunk out of their mind, having attended church for for uh, ever since they were a child. They they've never been back to church. They quit going as a child, but they'll say, "I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I've accepted the Lord as my personal Savior." That's not like what it meant in the Bible. If it said they believed in God with all their house, it meant they served God. So there's there's a difference between you know what we think of as believing in Jesus and what they thought of as believing in Jesus. To believe in Jesus meant you served him. He was your Lord. You didn't just confess him as Lord, Lord. You served him as Lord. So these two verses of Scripture are not conclusive proof that all you got to do is believe on Jesus and you're saved. You need to read them in context. And once again, we've already seen the pattern. Remember, Acts 16 comes after Acts 2. It comes after Acts 8. It comes after Acts 10. So, 
you know, Acts 16, it's like you want to jump ahead of Acts 2, jump ahead of Acts 8, jump ahead of Acts uh, uh, 10, and even Acts chapter 9 where it says that Paul was baptized and he received the Spirit. Uh, and then you want to jump over to Acts 16 and say, well, we're going to skip all the rest of this to find out how to be saved. Then we're going to skip over to Romans to find out how to be saved. No, read it all in context. Read it all in context context. So hopefully I've uh, answered your questions. I and Maybe I haven't done this terribly in depth, but hopefully I've helped you to understand these verses of Scripture better. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this Bible 101 episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you think. Also email BibleTTabernacle29 at gmail.com. That is B-I-B-L-E-T-T-A-B-E-R-N-A-C-L-E 29 at gmail.com to leave us comments, questions, or maybe ideas for future episodes. Thank you so much for listening.